This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Andrew Murray, uh, a writer from long ago, wrote this. He said, Let us admit that there is nothing so natural to man, nothing so insidious and hidden from our sight, and nothing so difficult and dangerous as pride. That's really good. Let me read it again. Let us admit that there is nothing so natural to man, nothing so insidious and hidden from our sight, and nothing so difficult and dangerous as pride. If we're going to, if we're talking on Wednesday nights about being serious disciples, we probably couldn't pick a more serious topic because humility is a requisite for us to be in in partnership with the Lord. In James chapter four verse ten, it says, "Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up." And just a few verses before that, it assures us that God will resist the proud. And that he will, uh, and he will lift up the the humble, so that there there's a, this push pull that happens with pride and with humility. Humility is an attractive force that draws God's uh, blessing and His power to us. Pride, on the other hand, is a is a repulsive stink that drives the Holy Spirit away from us. And we were talking uh, amongst the leadership just a few days ago about the tenderness of the Holy Spirit and how easily the Holy Spirit is grieved and pride above all things can grieve the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a powerful grieving mechanism. Pride is ugly. Pride is foolish. Pride is repulsive, especially to those that we're trying to minister the gospel to, those who are looking at our lives and looking from outside and looking at how we behave and how we handle ourselves. When they see that pride in us, then it, it just turns them off. And they, they are no longer attracted to Jesus. They're no longer attracted to, which is unthinkable. If you think about how Jesus, Jesus' personality, his character, his spirit are so magnetic that for us to be proud, for us to be lifting ourselves up in some kind of arrogance, if it turns people off, it's got to be so repulsive if it returns people off from Jesus by looking at us, because it's not Jesus' pride, it's our pride, but we come as representatives, and so it's very easy for us to turn this whole thing inside out. It shows how powerful pride is and the necessity of us to be humble people. Now, I'm not going to say that none of us in here are humble. All of us are humble at some time or another, right? Right? We, at one time or another, we get humble, and then there are other times when we're not so humble, right? Raise your hand or point to your neighbor or whoever, whatever makes you feel better. But we, we sometimes get puffed up, and, we, and our pride bloats itself up, and we begin to think of ourselves. We forget, really. We, we lose sight of, of what humility really looks like, and so, which, is, which is really um, kind of... Kind of uh, off-putting because everything Jesus does, he does in a spirit of humility. There's never a moment where Jesus is 
too proud, never a moment where Jesus is, is uh, arrogant, never a moment where people are, others are unimportant to Jesus, but, and, or where he's completely self-absorbed. There's never those moments. Jesus is always about other people, always about doing the Father's will. Uh, Andrew Murray, again, another quote from Andrew Murray, wrote a book on humility that's just uh, awesome, uh, $5.99 on Amazon. Uh, humility is the only soil that grace can be planted in. So if, our, if we're really humble, if we really, uh, really have a, a sense of humility in us, then we're in, there's an invitation that goes out from our spirit to God to come and plant the seed of grace on the inside of our hearts. We want that, don't we? Right? We, we want the, the grace of God to continue to work in our lives. We want the grace of God to impact our life. We want it, the grace of God to flow through us. We want to be ministers of the grace of God. We want to be able to carry that along. Well, the only way that can, that can bear fruit is if we allow that to happen by hu- being humble people and allowing the humility to be, uh, uh, be the, gra- the soil that grace can be planted in. Pride, uh, pride is on the other hand, a breeding ground for a religious spirit. If you think about who are the proudest people in the Bible, anybody got any idea who are the proudest people in the Bible? The Israelites, somebody said. Who said, somebody said Saul? Who else? Pharisees, Pharisees. Pharisees are the picture of pride, aren't they? They're the ones that puff themselves up. They're the ones that say, oh, I thank you, God, that I'm not born uh, a, a woman or a dog. Every day they prayed that prayer. I pray, I, I, and by a dog, they mean a Gentile. So they say, I thank you, God, that I'm not born like any of these, but I'm just born the way I am because, gosh darn it, I'm awesome. That's the, people like me, right? That's the Pharisee's prayer. The Pharisee's prayer is that they are just, uh, they are uh, amazingly uh, 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 wonderful for God. And, and that, that, that is seeded in the pride that becomes the root of that religious spirit. See, you can dress pride up in religion. I remember I was asked to pray for a gathering. There was about 2,500 people there. And, uh, you know, I've been praying for a long time. But when I was, when I was asked to, to pray for this, this gathering... Uh, I walked to the pulpit, and as I got to the pulpit, the lights were all down. It's not like here. It was, it was more like a theater. It was dark, and I couldn't see who was out there, you know. I knew there were people out there. I'd seen them before, but it was dark. And so uh, I stepped to the podium, and I couldn't see anybody out there, and it really threw me off. And I was afraid that I was going to mess up the words because what would someone think about me? I always tell this story about my pride. One day I, was, I pulled into the hardware store over here, and I was in the church van. Pulled in, it was a winter day, kind of like this, and uh, a little bit colder, and there was black ice in the parking lot. And, uh, and so as I pulled into, the, into the, the lot, I pulled up against the building, and I didn't, the, the truck didn't slide or anything, so I opened the door and I jumped out. And as I jumped out, my feet hit the ground and immediately went out from underneath me and then I ended up on my, banging my head on the concrete on the, on the, on the thing and then slid. I woke, woke up, kind of came to, under the car that was next to me. You know, so I slid underneath it. I had a pretty good bump on the noggin, pretty, 
and the door's still standing open, you know, I'm laying out there on the thing, and, I, and half underneath the, the, the neighboring car, and I, and I come to, and I, I look up immediately and turn my head to see if anybody saw that. <laughs> That's how deep your pride is. Right? That, that's how deep your pride is. It's the first thing that your brain thinks of after a concussion. Did anybody see that? Did I look cool? You know, so, so the, the, the whole concept of our, of our thinking that we've somehow done away with our pride is really us fooling ourselves, right? Because we all know we have it, right? We all, we all know that we have a certain amount of pride. I'm not talking about being proud of your children or your grandchildren. I'm not talking about, you know, being proud of the things the Lord has done for you or how far you've come underneath the Lord's grace. I'm talking about the pride on the inside of you that, that exalts the, the way people look at you, that, 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 that keeps you aloof from the things of God. It keeps you away from, from God's control in your life. It keeps you from saying, Oh wait, oh well, God, God can handle that too. And, and instead makes you a control freak where you're grabbing a hold of things and trying to make them stick and make them work. And, and uh, so th and that religious spirit that comes on us, <clears throat> it feeds this pride on the inside of us. So you can humble yourself and ask the Lord into your heart. Probably no more no more humble than the day that we realize we are hopeless sinners, right? That's the lowest point of our, of our humility. And then we come in, we ask the Lord to forgive us, and, the, and we're radically saved, and we just love Him so much. And then from then on, we begin to have this religious experience where, man, I hope, this, I hope the building's not burning. You know, it's a, it's a, we need to send somebody to check. There's a lot of sirens. Uh, anyway, so we begin to build up this this pride on the inside of us, and it goes off unchecked, right? It goes off unchecked. We see people come in and out of the pulpit in the church. Frequently, pride is on those people. You see it, right? Just nod your head. You don't have to mention anybody's name. You don't have to point, you know? But, the, but the, the, we see it. We can, we can see the pride in somebody else. And it's, it's something on the inside of us that doesn't want to address that person's pride issue because if we address that person's pride issue, then we have to address our own pride issue, right? And our pride issue is really dear to our heart. We can follow teachers on the television and the radio who are known for their arrogance and pride. Uh, a few years ago, I, a choir wanted to come and sing at Christian Life Center. They said, we'd love to come. This is how the telephone call went. We'd love to come and, and do a, a worship concert at your church. And I'd say, well, I'd love to have you, you know. And they said, well, how many does your sanctuary seat? Well, it seats 300. Well, we only play in places that seat 1,000. And I was like, well, you know, too bad. Hung up the phone, you know. And then, uh, but they couldn't book. They couldn't, they couldn't find a, a place to, 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 to sing. So they called me up and said, well, you know, we, it's, been, it's taken a while, maybe a couple days. And they called me up and they said, 
you know, we decided we, we'd love to come and sing at your place. Well, I don't want you, I said it to him. Why? Because I'm a stubborn old Swede? Yes, and because it's repulsive. Pride, if, if, you're not good, if I'm not good enough for you, then suddenly I'm good enough for you. I see through that. People can see through that, right? Now, yeah, maybe, maybe, it would, maybe we would have got blessed. I don't know if we would have got blessed or not. I don't know how we could get blessed because the whole time I would have been sitting in the front row seething at these prideful, arrogant people. It would just, it would just, now I probably wouldn't tell everybody about it, but I would have told a lot of people about it because it's off-putting. The mark of a true disciple seems to be humility. Jesus taking that, that, that apron around him and then beginning to wash the feet of his disciples. How amazing. Everything about Jesus is humble. He humbled himself and took upon himself the nature of a servant. And he gave his life even unto death, Philippians chapter 2, right? Right before that, it tells us that we should have the same attitude as Jesus, that we should have that same attitude, that we should have that same humility. But yet somehow in the Christian life, it's very easy for us to not see our arrogance, maybe be... It's kind of like your nose. You only see your nose when you look in the mirror, right? You, you, right? Right? Unless you got a really big schnoz, I, would, I can't imagine. You probably don't see it unless you, or if you go cross-eyed, I suppose you could see it if you go cross-eyed, but, but by and large, you don't even notice it, right? Do you, ever, do you ever have a pimple on your nose? Huh? And you walk around all day, and no one tells you, hey, dude, you got a big white head right there on the end of your nose. And you have no idea till you look in the mirror. Well, just as ugly as that big white head on the end of your nose is your pride. And just as noticeable, by the way, to everyone else who's looking at you, but you can't see it because you, are, you don't even see how horrible it looks. We, we, can't even, we can't even see how it is. The Bible tells us that no matter what we do, maybe it's because we do some things for the Lord, you know. We, we do some things, and then we begin to think, hey, you know, things are going really good. God, I'm, you know, God must really be honored that I'm one of his servants, you know. That he, you know he's really blessing me, and we, my life is going well, and all these things are happening. And so that must be God's blessing. That must mean that I'm pretty cool, and God is blessing me. And so we, based upon that, then we begin to think think we begin to loosen our grip on humility. In, in reality, humility is kind of a slippery thing that we have to hold on to. And if we hold on to it and keep ourselves in, a, in, in the place, Thomas Aquinas said, it's the mark, humility is the mark of a true disciple. If that's the case, then we should always be holding on to who we really are. Humility isn't isn't the exaggeration of how bad you are. You know, we, I use this illustration all the time. You know, if you come over to my, my house on the night that my wife is making a homemade chicken pot pie, then, and you say at the end of that meal, as you would if you were invited over, boy, that was a really good chicken pot pie. She could humbly say, I know. 
It really is. It's one of the best things that she's ma she makes. She's made it for 30-some-odd years, and, and I never get sick of it. it. And it's okay to, be, to acknowledge that you can sing well or you can play instruments well or that you can uh, teach or, you, or, or you know electronics or whatever it is that, that is your, in your wheelhouse. It's okay to know that. Humility is just accurately seeing yourself. It's not debasing yourself needlessly. It's not tearing yourself down and saying that you have to be worse. You don't have to say, oh, no, I'm chiefest of sinners. You know, everything about me is horrible. You know, my, my chicken pot pie is, I don't even know how you could stomach it. No, it, that's, that's a false, that's pride inverted. That's like saying, please, please, no, no, please don't tell me any more about my good cooking. Right? We've seen that happen before. It's, it's a false, there's a sense of which humility just accepts the facts for the facts. Doesn't try to embellish them to make them look, you know, we live in a day and age where there are books, I don't know if you know this, there are books written for ministers. And those books are how a minister can build his platform by going on social media and talking to people and enticing people to his... You can, I could go, if I wanted to, I could go and buy 30,000 Twitter followers. Instantly have them right on... People I don't know who don't know me, or any, but they're just, their deal is they just follow. That's all they have to do. They don't really follow. They don't follow Jesus. They don't follow me. They don't pay attention, but they're just followers. And it makes it, makes it look like you're really important, like you've really got a lot of people. Christian authors, when they write their books, oftentimes go out and buy 200,000 copies of their, of their own book. So it looks like their book can be moved up to the best-selling aspect. These are Christian authors. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? They do this so that they can be bumped up ahead of the class, so that they can be... There are Christian speakers who, when they, when you, when they see a, a big event, like a men's event or, or a women's conference or something, will call and give those, the organizer reasons why they should have called them rather than the people who are speaking on the, on the, at the conference. Isn't that ridiculous? There are Christian musicians who say, I'd love to come and put on a worship, uh, a worship concert there at your church. If I come, I'm going to need five kiwis all sliced diagonally laid out on a thing with some, with some, uh, fresh, some other fresh fruit, and they specify the, the way that the fruit is cut. When we have those people, well, rest assured, we never have those people. <laughs> we never have those people. We would never have those people because they've lost sight of what ministry really is. You know, we have to, and, and it's easy for us as Christians to point our finger at those people and then at the same time walk right by people in the church because we're so obsessed about the things that are going on in our, in our life. So burdened with the things that are going on in our own life that we can walk right by people and be harsh and cold and, and, and be self-consumed. And really that's the ultimate of what pride is. It's the cons being consumed by self. Remember, Jesus is the humble one. And Satan rebelled against the authority of God 
and created an entire kingdom of darkness based on the rebellion of his own pride. That's what it says in Isaiah 14. So humility is the source, is the sign of the kingdom of God, and pride is the sign of the kingdom of darkness. John writes this in 1 John, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Humility is ultimately the sign of what it means to be a creature. Someone who's been created. The denial of, of my ownership by God, of the fact that God created me and that He is my owner, that He, he is the one I rightfully should serve, that any anytime I try to wrinkle against His demands on my life, that's my pride. The root of every sin, every single sin, is pride. And how is it that the root of every sin is pride and yet we think, I can just overlook my pride. It's harsh. Things we won't, we won't let people know who we are. This, I brought this up tonight because I read this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me read it to you. It says, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made, the, made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God... For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. It's God's plan, God's insulting plan, that you be recognized who you are. You are the foolish things. You are the despised things. You are the lowly things. I don't mean to be, you know, obnoxious to you here tonight, but really it's, it's pretty obnoxious for God to say, I chose you. No, not because of your hairdo. 
No, not because of your great intellect, not because of your beautiful singing voice, not because of any of that stuff. I chose you because you're one of the biggest losers on planet Earth. You're, you're one of the most foolish, most... There are people who hate you just for being you. And so I thought, here's a loser that I can work through, and if I can do a, a, a mighty work through this guy or this gal, if I can do something through them, then the world will be, will be determined. They'll, be, they'll have to only give praise to me because they'll know that guy couldn't do that on his own. No way, no how. And at first, that's offensive. Because we don't want to think of ourselves like that. But ultimately, that's our pride that wrinkles at that. We don't like to hear that God has made it. But that's the way God designed the kingdom. That he's going to use a bunch of people who couldn't get it together without him. And then the world was going to say, look, there's no way those people could get it together without God. There must be a God. So contrary to what we aspire to in our world. We want to be self-made millionaires. We want to build ourselves up from our bootsteps. We want to say, I built this company on my back and my sweat and blood, right? That's what we want to say. Those are the people we aspire to. We watch shows where people invent goofy stuff in their basement and then come and try to sell it to the sharks, right? And the sharks will invest a million dollars in some widget, some new uh, cork you know, screw. It'll take the cork out of a wine bottle and not, you won't lose it or whatever it is, you know. And somehow they invent that and maybe somebody will give them, I'll give you 500000 for that. And they come out and they pump their arms. Yes, I did it. And that's what we aspire to. We aspire to being people of importance and people that, that would be, but in the kingdom, in order to really be in the kingdom, we have to recognize who we really are. Let me read it for you again because it's so offensive. It's so offensive. Despised. We're capable of no, nothing good in, our, in and of ourselves. Nothing good. There's nothing good that can come out of me. On my best day, Jesus says, even if you do everything I tell you, you know what you should say to people? I'm an unworthy servant. That's what it says in Luke. I'm an unworthy servant. Not when you screw up. Yeah, you're, you're unworthy when you screw up. But when you do everything right, you're still unworthy. Why? Because you could have never done that on your own anyway. So the whole concept of the kingdom, everything that flows through the kingdom. You know, God tells us we should. When someone says, hey, will you be there at the party? He doesn't say, yes, say we'll be right there. He says, "If you should answer, if the Lord wills. There's a certain humility to that. Like if, if Wayne said, Hey, Pastor Dave, would you like to go out and get some chicken wings tonight right after the service? And yes, I would, Wayne. But if, if, you, if you asked me that, it would be humiliating for me to say, I've got to ask my wife. Wayne would say, Come on. Forget what she says. Just come out and have chicken wings with me. But you see, it would be embarrassing for me to say, I have to ask my wife for her permission. And that's the reason why we don't want to say to people, yeah, I'll be there at the party if the Lord wills. 
because we don't want anybody to know that somebody else is in charge of our life. Hmm. Right? Right? If you can't say amen, at least say ouch. That's so I know you're still there. So, so, you, so you don't want anybody else to be knowing that you're following the dictates of some other person, especially if the person is invisible and unseen and some people don't even believe in him. How, how do you become great in the kingdom? Anybody know? Yeah. In Luke chapter 9, verse 46, it says, Those who humble themselves and become like little children, they are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility makes you great in the kingdom of heaven. Of course, if you want to be great, maybe you're not so humble anyway. What's the surest way to be exalted? To humble yourself. Not to, not to do it for yourself, not to let everybody know about yourself, but to rather to humble yourself and break. There are blessings that we cannot receive because our pride is like wax to it. And it's, the blessing just slides off our spirit like water on wax. Because we don't want to know. We want to be the overcomers of great obstacles. We want to be the climbers of great mountains. We want to be the self-made millionaires. We want to be those people who have who've done it all, conquered it all. Foolish things, weak things, lowly things, the nothings of the earth. It's only when we come to the Lord and say, Lord, look, I realize I'm a whole bunch of nothing. Suddenly then, we become usable, and God says, there's a guy. I can use that guy. He's not pretentious. He doesn't think he's more than he is. He, he recognizes exactly who he is. He realizes that he desperately needs me. And maybe that's what humility does. It brings us to the point of absolute spiritual desperation. Do nothing, it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. As if, it's, he's defining in reverse for us what pride is. Pride is doing stuff for yourself. Pride is doing stuff for your own reputation. Pride is valuing yourself above other people. Pride is, is looking out for number one and overlooking the interests of other people. Pride is insidious. Pride is intoxicating. Few of us want to lower our... You know, uh, what's this guy's name? Francis Chan, is he the preacher? Yeah. He, uh, pastor of a big church. And then decided that he was wrestling with his ego. So he resigned his big church and went and took a really small church out of the way, moved out of the limelight. Why is that so weird? Because no one ever does it. No one ever does it. That's a weird thing to do. Oh, I think I'm getting a little bit too successful. Boss, can you give me a demotion? 
Anybody asking that question this week at work? Boss, can you cut my pay raise by 3%? Because I think I'm just getting a little caught up with myself. No, that's not what we do. We want more. We want more. People say, oh, that's just natural. That's just human. Exactly. It's just life in the natural. It's just life as a human. There's nothing supernatural about it at all. There is nothing divinely powerful about it at all. We do it because we want others to know who we are. We want to be acknowledged. We want people to see who we are. Some of us more than others. Some of us are content to be in the background. My grandfather was a quiet guy. In fact, I remember one of the things we used to do to aggravate him, we, we, would, we had those 8-millimeter movies of him opening up a pair of underwear one time for Christmas. And he held up the underwear, and then as, the under, as he opened the underwear, he lifted the underwear out of the box, a pair of tidy-whities, you know, just embarrassing. And then they unfolded right there on the camera. And just to humiliate him, we would run it back and forth. So they would open and close. These tidy whites, open and close. But he would never say a thing. He just wasn't that guy. He just would never defend himself. But he's the kind of a guy that if he said something, everybody in the room shut up. Cully's got something to say. Not like me. I blather on for hours and I say nothing. People don't pay attention to me, but this guy hardly says anything. So when he finally says, I don't think we should do it, everybody's like, okay, Cully doesn't think we should do it. We're not going to do it. Because you knew that he had something on the inside. He knew that he, he wasn't looking for, to get somebody else's. I, he was so humble. I remember one of the, we were playing jarts. How many of you remember jarts? Jarts, you know, it's a big lawn dart that has a big point on the end. I remember... And they're heavy, you know. And I remember as kids, we would chunk them at the family picnic, you know, chunk them one end, chunk them to the other end. One of the, my cousins, not me, thank you, Jesus, but one of my cousins threw it up in the air like this and came down, hit Cully right in the head. Pointy thing. I mean, not like the safety ones they have now where it would just bounce up. This thing stuck in his head. Everyone was mortified. You know, he's probably in his late 60s at the time. Everybody, <gasps> He starts laughing. <laughs> Pulls it out. I'll tell you, if you stuck a jart in my head, you would know every bad word that I know. I would let you know. Not Cully. You know, we somehow feel like we have to be the ones that let everybody know how cool we are. We don't have to be those people. The kingdom works so much better when we're humble when we recognize that ours isn't the only point of view. Oh, man, our world needs to see some of this. Because if you, aren't, if you don't hold to the point of view that everybody else holds, well, you're just of the devil. Lock you up and throw away the key. Who was it? Somebody was telling me today that when, the, when there was an explosion in Boston that 
the, the big consternation in this one uh, fellow employee was not that, not that there was this explosion, that innocents were, were hurt, but that it was a better place. They could just go and kill the Baptists. What? Well, because they don't agree with the Baptists. Because disagreeing with one another is what makes you an enemy. Well, I think we need to broaden the perspective of that. There's a humility that says, I don't have to be right. Or heard, quite frankly. And I can just listen to the way you think and try to understand the way you think. We don't have to promote ourselves. We don't have to promote everything we've ever done. We don't have to be endless self-promoters and constantly letting people know, afraid that people might not recognize us for the greatness that they see right in front of them. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Jeremiah said it like this, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or the strong man boast in his strength, or the rich man boast in his riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they understand and know me, I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight. We should be clearly giving glory to God every day of our life by living a humble life. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.